Dave Meltzer here, and I sat down with a good friend of mine, the extraordinary restaurateur, Ming Tsai. And Ming and I talked about my expertise in the rationality of middle-aged men and his of the rationality of the power of television and how the skill sets of the muscle memory have helped him practice as a true chef and also using his engineering background and how that created an entrepreneurial venture for him uh, within the kitchen equipment space. Finally, I love the impact because I had such an impact with my mom, the impact of his own parents that are immigrants on his education and his career. Stick around to hear all of that and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host and CEO of Sports One Marketing, David Meltzer. Hi, this is Dave Meltzer, CEO of Sports One Marketing with Entrepreneur The Playbook, and I have a very special, unique guest today, a true entrepreneur in a different field than normal. We don't have the Super Hall of Famers of sports, but I'm nicknaming this uh, podcast The Spirit of Excellence, and when you find out why, you're really going to enjoy it. But I'm here with Ming Tsai. Saturday, Dave. Hall of Fame chef. Welcome to Blue Dragon. If you wonder nice why I look this way, it's because of great chefs like <laughs> this. And I'm going to get to eat after this, so if it's a fast podcast, you'll know why. Well, Ming, for those people that don't know who you are, give me a little bit of background on where, you know, I've read some of it, but right. t- tell me what you do and where you come from. So, I'm first a chef. Right, you're at Blue Dragon, we're five years old here. Uh, We did have Blue Ginger for 20 years in Wellesley. We actually just closed, which I'm very proud of. We had a great 20 year run. Most restaurants closed because they have to. We actually closed because we wanted to. It was just the right timing and we wanted to leave on top. And uh, and people are like, oh, you weren't making money? The lease is no good. No, no, I was making money and the (laughs) lease is great. Actually, the landlord wanted me to stay longer, but I have other things I'm doing. So being a chef of a restaurant, why? I was, still am, and will always be hungry. That's why I'm a chef. Literally, I'm three years old, four years old, I'm in the kitchen, my parents, my grandparents would throw me scraps. I thought the fire, the smoke, the chopping, the noise, the smells was like, this is what I want to be. And what does your name mean? Because I think I read something. Yeah, definite. funny enough. So, uh, Ming Tsai, in Chinese it's Tsai Ming. Yeah. Tsai, my last name, actually means dish. Plate, you know, a, a you know a, a dish in Chinese food. It all also could mean vegetable, but really, tsai is a dish. Ming is actually the combination of the sun and the moon. So because of that, there's always light. So it means brilliant. So my name actually means brilliant dish. This is why you always on Doesn't me. always translate. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But yeah, so it's it's a good name for a chef. Put it that way. But you know, just as important as being a chef, I'm certainly a proud husband of Polly, my great wife and father, two fantastic boys, David and Henry. They're 18 and 16. Great name. But my background's a little bit different because I did um, like a good Chinese boy like any good Jewish boy or any other good immigrant you came to this country you got to be three things doctor lawyer engineer education education educated my dad was still at 88 works full-time at Stanford He's the foremost graphite composite materials designer in the world he, he was at, yeah, he was the chief scientist at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, which is why I ended up living there. You gotta stop there, gotta hear this. So we have reverse roles. Okay. I was born, my mom's from Dayton, but I was born in Akron, Ohio. Nice. My grandparents lived in Dayton. Nice. And I moved to Southern California. 
You were born in Newport Beach, and then Southern moved to, <laughs> then moved to, moved to Dayton. I got the better deal. You I were think. much better. But then I got out, and my parents got out. They went to Palo Alto. I right. came to Boston. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I studied engineering, but while in engineering, and I have to digress because my mom had a Chinese restaurant called the Mandarin Kitchen in Dayton, Ohio. So that was my summertime job, age 14, 15, 16. That's when I fell in love with the restaurant bug. That if you serve people with really good food at a great price with a big smile. You got a customer for life. And I loved that I could serve people and make them happy through food. That's truly why I'm a chef. So fast forward, I'm in college studying mechanical engineering, and I'm going to France. My dad's partner, Thierry Massard, and lived in Paris. You didn't go to any college. You went to an Ivy League. I went to Yale, yeah. And you were an athlete. I was an athlete, yeah. I played squash in Yale. I played pro squash in France. All Ivy League. Right? You're, um, you're a good squash American, player. All-American, yeah. But, you're, cut, like, you're, but I want to build the spirit of excellence, right? So okay. there's some people who love to eat, and there's yep. some people who love to serve people, and we yep. see them. Yep. But you're a person who lived under what I call the Jewish guilt law. So you were pressed, so you end up, you went to Hanover, I think, yep. and then to Yale, yep. and squash, you were All-American. This yep. is this is important because I meet so many Hall of Famers of professions, yep. and throughout their life, they carry a spirit of excellence. Yep. And that's what it takes to have a top restaurant. You know, on that point for squash, it's my dad. Again, my dad's really, truly a genius, one of the only geniuses I've ever met. Not because of my dad, because literally, I mean, I literally saw him on a cocktail now. He's like, hey, be one bomber. I mean, practically, right? Oh, like, yeah. That's pretty good, Dad. It's like Lee Steinberg uh, smart. Can you, can you build me a better golf club? And which he does. Which he does. He, nice. he does. Everything graphite. Um, but I was a tennis player. I played since I was three years old. And I had dreams of playing Wimbledon U.S. Open. And I was good at Andover. I was two or three. But my 10th grade year, I'm doing... Uh, tennis and soccer and I played basketball because I thought hey I could play basketball with the boys no I couldn't <laughs> I'm practicing my foul shots and these guys at Andover come in from all over the country and they're dunking the ball and making threes like they're nothing I'm like okay my dad smiling says look you're really good with your hands why don't you try squash his ulterior motive was squash, really good, can get you into Yale, where he went, where my grandfather went. <laughs> I love if that. If my son gets in, he'll be fourth generation, right? So there's a lot of blue blood, so to speak. Yale, 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 Yale. So it's now yeah. Ming Sai Stein. Yeah. Yeah. You're like Moonstein yeah. and Meltzer. We've got a law firm. Or Ming Hai is the Ming other way. That's, like that. the other way better, that's better, good. Ming Hai is good. <laughs> and so to the point of your the excellence is I'm like, okay, let me try squash. Squash was perfect for me because by yourself, in a court at any time, you can get better at squash. And like tennis, you need a tennis ball machine and this and that. Squash, you can bang rails all day long, and that's what I did. And I don't care if you're a Hall of Fame athlete, I don't care if you're a chef, it doesn't matter. If you do not hone your skill until it's muscle memory, for me it's cooking, right? I don't have to, I, I don't think when I cook, I'm thinking about the flavor, but I'm not thinking about, okay, now I have to flip the food over, I have to hold the knife. Ditto for squash, ditto for a quarter. They don't think, how do I, I have to turn my wrist to throw the spiral? No, they're looking at where the receiver is. So squash, I could do that and, and markedly, you could see the improvement by yourself. Either you're hitting the rail quarter inch from the wall or you're not. And, and I love that because without anyone, besides the first time showing me how to do the stroke, you could get to the point, because once you get to a certain level of anything, you can't rely on your mind thinking about how you do that. That has to be muscle memory because the excellence comes in because you're focused on how do you make that stroke or that dish 
excellent because everything else is already born into your regime. You know what I mean? So it's in your DNA that I can do it to this level. Now, how do I get to the excellence level? That's because I have extra time. I'm going to interrupt you because I have this theory. It's called the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit, enjoyment of the pursuit of your potential. And here's my theory is that you get 10,000 new inputs or thoughts a day, and that goes into your cellular memory. And that's why you practice golf, you get better, squats, you get better. But then if you keep doing it, it goes into the 40,000 subconscious thoughts that you have. Now you create neural pathways in your mind. That creates more efficiencies, effectiveness, and success. Now the interesting thing that you just met up is you said it goes into your DNA, which I believe, because I believe if you practice a lot, and you hone your skills and you stay focused, it goes conscious, subconscious, into your unconscious, which is the electrical current in your DNA, and it actually, that's your fingerprint in life, your code, yep. and your yep. dad probably gets this better than anyone because he's yep. smarter than I am. Yep. But that code, and the cool thing about that code is that when you talk about the generations of Yale, grandpa, yep. dad, and you, well, when you have that spirit of excellence in your code, it's cool because you can actually create a physical legacy for your son David, and right, it's that me. I, I I concur completely. I think what you're saying is so right. And and look, and we're talking about athletes, and I I'm very athletic, right? I love I love reading about the best athletes in the world. So the one thing in common that I've read and I know, because my brother-in-law Mark Talbot was the world champion in squash for 12 years straight. No one touched him. This is hardball. Right, softball is a squash put around the world, but back in the hardball era, Mark Talbot was number one. I mean, there's no professional athlete that's been number one for over a decade in any sport. Maybe a sh- maybe if, if a ti- if Tiger if Tiger didn't cheat on his wife, I think he had a I shot. I think Tiger had a great <laughs> shot, and, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll a, see. Karma's a bee. Sorry, yeah, Tiger. It, no, yeah, no, um, but. Oh, I lost my point. What Sorry. were we talking about? Um, yeah, consistency and going into your uh, DNA and that, that skill set of practicing and that you, yeah. the hard bar, the, the champion. Oh, yeah. So one thing that I learned, the elite athletes, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Mark Talbot, the one thing they had in common is they saw everyone else in slow motion. They had that extra half second Gretzky to fake and... Boom, Jordan was still going up as people were going down. Just that extra half second makes an athlete an elite, an elite athlete, right? So and and they, they can just, they, because they're so, it's so ingrained in their DNA, it's getting left, right, puck, puck, boom. They don't have to think about that. They get to look at the whole picture and worry about that. And because they have that extra half second, they become the greatest. And now you carry that over into all areas of your life, right? You've been doing this for years from school, yep. you're, you're, you're even golf that you practice at, but you're, you're, it's not your profession. Practice. Then you have the restaurant business. Yep. And it is a skill. And it's not just the actual being a chef and I've seen you cut and move. Right, right, right. You know, but everything that you do has the spirit of excellence. You, I mean, one of the unique things that you probably didn't realize in your life you were going to do, but you won an Emmy Award. Right, yeah, so I did not realize you didn't win Emmy, t- right? A TV star. I barely knew what an Emmy was when I got it. I, I you didn't, didn't get know, into cooking to be on TV. Oh, hell no. Yeah, and I certainly didn't. By the way, if you're going to interview with me, don't ever say this because a guy <laughs> said this to me. He goes, I go, why do you want to be a chef? I want to be famous. Well, that's a really wow. stupid reason to yeah. want to be a chef. As opposed to I want to make fantastic food and feed the masses, right? That guy was not hired, for the record. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd be on TV. I never dreamt of being on I just wanted to cook, but I loved always teaching. 
taught tennis, taught skiing, just taught little kids. I loved little kids. So when I when an opportunity came, and I knew in the back of my head, because Food Network first started, I knew the Irrational Power TV. I knew if you're in that black box, and there's a lot of great chefs, but those 10 of us that are in there were the best chefs. It's not true. Right. But to the masses, Perspective. in East-West cuisine and Asian cuisine, because I've been in the box for so 20-something years, I'm the expert. And the one thing I do love is, funny enough, and my dad's proud of this, because, as you know, I have a mechanical engineering degree, but I'm a cook, chef. I'm now, because I'm on Home Shopping Network, HSN, I'm now designing kitchen equipment, which oh, is so, so cool. cool. So Did your dad help you as a grandpa oh, equipment? Oh, PV equals NRT, right? Centrifugal force when you're drying french fries, let the oil come out. Induction cooking, which is magnetic resonance. Pressure cooking, all of that. Now when I'm designing stuff, I want to design this auto called the auto walk. I want something that can cook for you, right? Like, uh, and, health, the Wealthy, have you seen that brand? The, it's. It's a new brand, organic brand. They put these centrifugal force on, the, on their side and they walk it. So you fill up your stuff into a bucket and then you throw it into the... And then it, flip, and and it flips it and then it's done. And so and they put a timer on it. There's a restaurant that just opened that only robots cook your food. <laughs> nah, that's not I'm not, I'm not so like sure. I'm not so food. sure. But the point is that yeah. even though my first thing on HSN was two knives for 20 bucks, right? It's called the arrow knife. And it's a big joke amongst all my chef friends because I'm in CVS and all those things and the, you know, and the, yeah. and the can't open Larry David plastic packets, right? And, and they gave me so much crap. They're like, dude, you sold out. And blah, blah, blah. And, and, yeah, but, right. then, but then they hear because it was public information. So when I, once I went on HSN, I just want best of class. This is not the best knife money can buy. It's a $10 knife, but it's the best $10 knife you can get. It's stainless steel forge. It has no holes, so it doesn't, so nothing sticks to it. And I'm going on. This is yeah. true. This is public. I'm slicing away, and I'm looking at the camera, and I have a host, and I'm on for the five minutes. And the host is like, 5000 sold. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and I th- and you see the ticker. It was at 4900 I'm like, really? So I start smiling, <laughs> slicing harder, and I'm like, I need more cucumbers. And it was so much fun. And, that, that, awesome. and I, now I'm in my fifth year doing this. And I love it because I actually get to now bring and level the playing field of all the great equipment I use in the restaurants and my home. Now for you at home, at a half the cost, because HSN has a great business model, you can get the Technolon Plus non-stick, blah, 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 induction burner, pressure cooker, all these things, at half at a box store, because they don't carry inventory. That's so awesome. it's, it's a great model. Now do you do, you're a great businessman, which a lot of people fail, and they're great chefs, right. but they are horrible business people. Yeah, to your point of excellence, yes, there's, there's, there's what, I'm gonna say 500 chefs were at this level. And there's a couple, there's 10 that are certainly clearly above me. Thomas Keller, Green Atkins, those guys, which is, I'm so proud to call them friends. But out of the 500, maybe half are good business people. And it doesn't matter how great cook you are. If you're P&L and your bottom line is zero or negative, I don't care how delicious that foie gras shumai is, you're losing money. So. Excellence comes into not only doing great food, but running the business smartly, which is fully understanding the business, which is why after after I cooked in Paris, after graduating from Yale, because I wanted to play pro squash because I was decent, I wanted to cook, I came back to Cornell to do the hotel school. 
because I wanted to learn the top all hospitality school. Yeah, it was a fantastic two-year master's program to learn all the other aspects I had no clue about. PR marketing, what does that look like? Construction, what is the what should you be spending per kitchen? You know, how many hundreds or thousands of dollars per square foot? How do you make a PL? How do you read a PL and what's important in the PL? And then with that knowledge, getting my masters, I said, look, I gotta practice this, but I'm not gonna do it with my money yet. Let's go work for a hotel. So I did I worked at the I opened the Hotel Intercontinental in Chicago. I opened three restaurants there, tons of rookie mistakes, other people's money. I mean I didn't it wasn't well, bad. Yeah, I didn't, it was just like I made mistakes, right? But thank God, because you wanna make the mistakes with other people's money. And I knew when I when I was gonna do my own restaurant, ideally most of the mistakes were made. And if any of you anyone's gonna open a business, the two most important thing, cash flow and cash flow. Thank you. That's it. Entrepreneurs ask me all right. the time. Number one piece of advice is Mr. Melcher. I say stay in business. My first goal every day is to be in business tomorrow. First rule, I need to have enough money to stay in business. Everything else doesn't matter if right. I don't have the money tomorrow 100%. to be in business. And if I'm not focused in on that, I'm missing the ball. And the and the, the way you keep cash flow positive is when you raise your money, you have to you have to take out a percentage of the money such that when you open you have money, which means you cannot be late, which means I was here every day at Blue Ginger for the six month build on every single day to make sure the GC and everyone was there and to make sure they were on it and to answer the questions on the spot. They're like, chef, you know, the plants have a sink here and a sink there. We busted the walls, the piping's over here. If you put the two sinks here, it's gonna save us 17 man hours, which translates to $4,000. What do you wanna do? Put the two sinks over there. But if you're not there, they're gonna do it according to the plan and then and yeah. then if they find something, you end up late. If you open two months late, you already have your P&L that you're gonna do whatever, 14,000 a week for those two months. So you're already behind the eight ball. So I always say if you're gonna open a restaurant, you have to have enough cash flow to pay your full payroll for three months with zero covers. Everyone thinks they're gonna do 300 covers the first night. It doesn't happen that way. It right. just doesn't, it's not reality. <laughs> and by the way, that staff who's awesome, 50% are gone within month because they're not awesome. So that turnover costs money. So cash flow, but be there and open on time. When you hear these projects, you know these huge projects in Hawaii, a year behind, uh, a year yeah. late and it's four million over budget. Oh my God, there's the, it's, it'll take them 10 years just to break even. So you gotta be there, which also means you gotta make sure it's realistic. I wanna open this in a month. Dude, it's gonna yeah, take gonna two. Right. So you wanna pay contractors OT and work Sundays, and oh, you can get it open, but now you're, you're one million off. Right, now what I like about the restaurant business is the mentorship uh, component. Yep. Right? It's just built, the system of, of restaurants is in mentorship. You have 100%. chefs to work their way up. Yep. Who are your mentors? It's a great question. Um, so, my first—I mean, without being too woo-woo here—my parents, because yep. both of my parents are awesome cooks, right? And they taught me the most important thing, which is not cooking. The most important thing is enjoy food. Make time to enjoy food, right? Yep. Period. And that's not every person in this world enjoys food. Some people just eat because they have to to live. Right? I wish but, I was like that. But the, the <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I, I enjoy it too much. Yeah. I, I enjoy it too so much. So enjoy food scheme. But professionally, uh, Pierre Hermé, 
who's still today reputed to be the best pastry chef in the world, was my first mentor in France because I really wanted to learn about desserts and pastry. Because in Chinese cuisine, we had nothing. So I was a really good Chinese cook going to Paris, and I knew how to cut, and I knew how to flip food, but mine was on a wok, theirs is in a saute pan. Similar skill set, right? But the techniques are completely different, right? We woks our oil, boom, 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 basically that's it. That's Chinese food for the most part. I'm not belittling it. I mean, there's a lot of nuances of it, but that there's not the myriad of techniques, at least in the hot cooking part. Pastries, the French, the Swiss, the Germans so excel over Asian cuisines, right? We have a couple desserts and fresh fruit. So Pierre was just this most unbelievable pastry chef that, that has shops all over called Hermé in, in Japan as well as of course all over France uh, and just the nicest humble guy that is just men he has mentored probably a thousand pastry chefs today um, which has elevated himself yeah. uh, I did do a uh, I got three months in Osaka so Kobayashi was my sushi master which was an unbelievable experience to be able to get into a, into a great Japanese restaurant. And again, he knew I could cook. I made them food. And once you taste someone's food, you're like, okay, well, you can cook. I'd be happy to show you. That was unbelievable because he's really, I mean, for me as a Chinese American to be able to work with a, a, a sushi master in Japan was awesome. Um, today, some of my best friends are still my mentors. So Thomas Keller. Excellence that. is his middle name. I mean, there's not a single... For example, I just ate at friend's lunch. I was cooking at the CAA Greystone two weeks ago. And I'm sitting there with my... It's four of us. My chef came with me. They, and, and TK is a great friend. So he's like, the chef who's not here, he just had knee surgery, would love you to have a bottle of champagne outside. Is that okay? It's no problem. So we're the only people in the patio. Everyone else is inside. They savor the bottle. It happened to be 2006 DP as well. Savor the bottle without losing any. And they come over, and the waiter, she comes over, puts a glass down for Christine, my chef, puts a glass down for me, and she goes, Chef, I'm so sorry. This is a little bit warm. I'll be right back. And and had to say that because if she like left, I'd be like, wait, 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 I want a glass of champagne too. Right, right. And that's the way TK trained. I mean, it was literally probably five degrees too warm. But if we were spending two hundred something dollars on a bottle of champagne, five degrees, that doesn't work. That's not excellence. And there's not, I mean, there's not a dish that he cooks that's not excellent. It's unbelievable. And you as well. Well, oh my God. Last question, real quick. What all, you know, with the spirits of excellence, and you're such a family man and a humanitarian. We didn't get into all the philanthropic stuff. Yeah, we, we stuff. do want to talk about that a little. But yeah, I want to know with family reach. Yep. You know, what legacy? Because that's really what you're about. This yep. legacy that you want to leave. I'd love this question. So I've always defined success when I was a kid, because I had a great life. We weren't rich, but I ate every day, three times a day. I had sheets and shower and a roof over my head, and my parents luckily took us traveling to Asia, to Europe when we were young, because my dad traveled a lot. I always said, if I can give my children at least what my parents gave me, I'm a true success, right? So I'm well on my path to that. Maybe even ahead of the curve, mom and dad, but just saying, <laughs> only because- Good competition. Yeah, yeah. A great competition. But that, that was my first definition of the true success. Now my definition, I still think you got to do at least your parents did for you. But true excellence and true success is if you leave your mark. I tell my kids, this is no free ride. There's no coasting here, guys. You've had everything given to you. Food, shelter, education. If you don't make something from that, I don't care if you're a plumber, a cook, a producer, a quarterback. It doesn't matter. If you don't leave the world a better place, you blew it. 
you have to leave your mark. And if that's the Boy Scouts or Big Brothers or Family Reach, we're the only national chair that financially helps families with a child with cancer. It's the number one cause of personal bankruptcy in this country today, cancer. And through my cooking live events, which I do all over the country, like San Francisco for this Friday, I personally have raised $6 million over seven years. And that, besides my children, is really the proudest thing I've done. And these kids that I meet, and I know this is going a little bit long, but this story is so okay, important. Like Single mom Raquel with a son, Michaelo. He was born two months into his life, developed cancer. Single mom. He's, they get through it, he survives, cancer remission, she uses all her savings. Fine. Two years later, cancer comes back. When cancer comes back for a child, it's 10 times worse than the first time. So now she's broke. They live two years in a homeless shelter while Michaela is getting chemo and radiation. Just let that sink in. None of us probably, you probably not, I've never lived in a homeless shelter and I certainly never lived in a homeless shelter with my kid dying of cancer. The kicker was the doctor, the oncologist told Raquel, your son needs a bone marrow transplant to live. Unfortunately, because of your sanitary conditions of a homeless shelter, we cannot administer, it won't stick. Sorry. You cannot tell a mom, sorry, your son's gonna die when there's a cure. That's when family stepped in and says, BS, here's your apartment back for a year. Do not worry about that. Take care of your kid. This story ends up great. He's nine years old. He just celebrated six year remission. I'm gonna see him at Cooking Line in Boston next Monday. Every time I see him, this kid gives me the biggest hug. I know I helped save that kid's life. That's why I'm here. That's it. That's the Ming Mark and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Sai. Sai. Sorry, I got choked up. It's all right. Yeah, I'm sighing. I do too. You should be proud, and I'm proud to be your friend. Thanks, I, brother. My favorite part in my mark, the Meltzer mark, is the entrepreneur, the playbook, because I get to really amplify what the spirit of excellence is. And Thank you. Can you encompass that? And anything I can do to help, you know, we raise a lot of money as well. I'd love to get involved to help family. Yeah, reach. I think Warren Mook can write me a big fat check, like that's this right. big, like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, Dave Meltzer will write it, but. Uh. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know why I'm asking you. You pay him, don't you? Sorry, Warren, never mind. Drop. Exactly. Uh, anyway, what a pleasure. Thank and you. thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for joining me this week on The Playbook. Remember, you can download and subscribe every Tuesday for exciting new episodes of The Playbook. And thank you so much for all the favorable reviews that we're getting. Keep us in the top five here on this week's Entrepreneur The Playbook.